everyone, live from De La Salle College, Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Luca and my co-hosts today are Sam, Emmanuel and Archie. Our special guest today is Socheta, who is a therapeutic counsellor who specializes in gambling addiction. Hi Socheta. Hi Welcome guys. to the show. Nice uh, our first here. question for you today is, can you just delve a little bit into what you do in your role? Okay, so as a therapeutic counsellor, I offer counselling um, support for individuals and sometimes, you know, couples or even family. And we generally help those who are experiencing gambling harm. And um, for those who are also know a gambler, those who are affected by the gambling as well. So that's the main gist of it. Um, I guess you could say one of the main things I do is help with harm minimization and urge management. Yeah. Perfect. Now, many people gamble, but not all people are addicts. Now, where would you draw the line between uh, enjoyment and addiction? And what are those signs of addictions that people can look out for? Usually when we screen people who are experiencing some kind of gambling addiction or like pathological gambling, um, we look for how the um, gambling affects the daily life and daily routine. So if it affects work or school performance, if it's affecting your um, relationships with other people, things like that. If you're very preoccupied and always thinking about it, even while you're doing things where it's not even related to it. So if you're like swimming or playing basketball, you're just thinking about it all the time and thinking, when can I do my next bet or things like that. Yeah. Yep. So what are some of the early signs of a gambling addiction? Early signs. I think one of the most common ones might be lying and keeping it from people. Like there's that shame that's with that. And if you feel the need to have to hide the fact that you are gambling or you need to lie to your partner, families and friends about what you're actually doing, that's probably the first sign I would say. Um, Now, when someone has a gambling problem and gets help, is the goal to stop gambling completely or is a controlled bet here and there still accepted? It depends what the person wants, you know. If if they started off gambling as a social thing and it was like something they could enjoy, then yes, there is a way we can actually work towards just reducing it and learning to love the game a little bit more rather than use gambling as a way to make money or, you know, chase losses and things like that. Some people do want to stop completely and that's usually when they've suffered some kind of consequence, like a really big one. Maybe that's a relationship breakdown, maybe um, financial stress and a lot of like financial burdens, things like that. Yeah. Um, so you've obviously had a lot of experience with some repercussions of gambling with some of your um, people that you've talked to. Would you like to elaborate on some hidden repercussions that people not, not recognize when they think about a gambling addiction? Like how gambling affects them, but they probably don't realize it. Yeah. I think one of the most common things that people don't realize is the breakdown in connection. And that could be connection with anything, like connection with other people, connection in doing activities that they once enjoyed, Um, even with um, environments and people and, and maybe animals as well. Like they just, there's just no sense of having that connection with anything spiritually or socially. And that's where they probably don't see where that's impacting the most because it's not really there. They're too focused and preoccupied with the gambling stuff. Yeah. As a psychiatrist, what techniques and strategies do you use to diminish addictions? 
I, I have a few. So when we talk about urge management, sometimes I start off with either physical barriers or like cognitive things. So when I say physical barriers, I'm talking about how can we physically stop ourselves from gambling again? Right. So there's things like bans, self-exclusions. Um, I've had people who try not to take cash out when they go out, stick to cards. But if cards is a problem as well, maybe, you know, um, on your phone, you've got that Google wallet stuff and you can have digital cards. So that's what we talk about when we talk about physical barriers. And then the other one is like urge surfing. So learning to sit with the urge, recognizing it, learning what the triggers are to have them and try and learn strategies to try and cool it down a little bit so that we don't give in to the urge. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously a lot of people struggle with a gambling addiction mm -hmm. and some people might just be starting to come to terms with that, but find all this quite confronting trying to get help. So what would you say to those people that are struggling to actually find help for these problems? Mm. I think one thing that a lot of people struggle to is actually identify that they do have a problem. So the first step is usually to try and see what are the signs, you know, that I do have this problem and knowing where to get help. Sometimes it helps to open up to someone like a partner, family, parents, siblings, friends, you know, because that is one source of support that can help you get to other sources of support, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, nowadays, sports betting is very accessible. Are there, are there any measures or, you know, outside sources that can help control access to those apps? Yeah. So I know that some of the betting apps, they have this settings thing where you can set a limitation, but obviously there's a loophole around that, right? You can change that. So um, something that was released um, last August, there was something called BetStop. And that's just a registration for us to, if you want to sign up, you can ban yourself from all kinds of online betting that's um, registered in Australia. So that doesn't stop us from going to like TABs and places like that, but it does help reduce the accessibility and the availability to do the gambling. Yep. So what impact have you seen on gambling on relationships? The biggest impact is trust because there is the lying and there's the hiding, you know, so it's like how do we build that trust and if that trust can be built again. So that's one of the biggest works we do with people who are affected by someone who is gambling. Yeah. Now, as gambling becomes more and more popular, it's getting a, reach, a bigger reach on the youth. Mm -hmm. What effects does youth gambling have on students? Oh, lots. I think one of the big one is it's normal, right? We don't want to kind of encourage that socialness with it because it is a little bit dangerous. That's where it gets risky is when everyone else is doing it and, you know, you're growing up with it as well. It starts to become more normal and then we just learn to accept that really. So, and it also makes it a little bit hard to say, hey, I think this is getting a bit out of hand and it might stop that openness. So I think that's one of the risks there with youth and gambling. Yeah. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM from DLSL College, Malvern, Australia. My name is Luca and my co-hosts today are Sam, Emmanuel and Archie. And our special guest today is Socheta. Now, uh, other than you, who can addicts seek help from? 
Oh, addicts can seek help from anywhere. And there's also um, gambling anonymous meetings and stuff like that out there. They're usually run in the evenings, but they're a really great source to meet other people who are going through the same things. Uh, how can someone approach a friend, a friend or family member for gambling help? Friend or family member. Sometimes maybe the easiest way to do it is to not say specifically gambling, but to kind of address the other health side of things so just checking in on their well-being if you are noticing that you know they're on their phone a lot or they're going to the tab maybe um just pop that question like are you okay how's things going like i've noticed you've been doing this a lot is everything all right with that can i help you in any way kind of thing yeah now gambling is becoming more and more accepted as part of australian culture why do you think this is why do you think gambling is a part of australian culture Oh, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. I see it everywhere on YouTube ads and all that stuff. Um, One of the biggest things that gets a lot of people and young people into gambling is when they turn 18 and then they go to a pub or a TAB, that kind of thing, horse racing, Melbourne Cup, and it's just this really fun thing to do with your mates or your family, right? And what that does is it creates this really exciting memory or association with it so it helps us want to actually do it a lot more but then obviously the danger or the risk in that is just maybe we start to do it on our own a lot more and it stops being a social thing but more of a coping thing now you mentioned earlier how to control yourself but how can one control or learn to control their impulses in terms of gambling Mm, good question I would say one of the trickiest things, easier said than done, is to learn to be okay with that feeling, whatever feeling that is. So if it's like loneliness, depression, stress, if it's an urge to gamble or something's telling you, something's drawing you right, the first thing you should try and do, I suppose, is to be learn to tolerate that. Tolerate that feeling. Sit with it. Don't react with it. You know, just respond. If we respond, we're thinking more about how we want to deal with it rather than react where it's just impulse. That's where impulse comes in. Yep. So not all of our viewers have access to a psychiatrist. So for those people, how will they find help for gambling? Are there any resources or people they can talk to? Um, Usually when I do have someone who might have complex needs, um, I usually refer to, to their GP. Um, and I get them to, if they're not already engaged with a psychiatrist, just get them to talk about their things and stuff like that. Um, it really helps because sometimes there's symptoms like restlessness or irritability. That could be something associated with a medication they're already on or some kind of undiagnosed mental health condition. And that's where we can help with settling those kinds of symptoms that also associates with the gambling as well. Um, you mentioned earlier that there are many unrestricted gambling apps. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the government should be making an active like takedown on those apps? Mm, it's tricky because they are international a lot of the time as well, as well as just being unregulated. So it's a tricky one. Mm, I think there could be some efforts made to try and restrict us having access to it, but, well, you know, do it within your limits. I'm not sure where the government stands on that. Yeah. Now, any type of addiction is difficult to open up about. Why do you think gambling addicts often struggle to open up? Because it's not like 
it's not like substance abuse or anything like that. It's not a thing, right? It's not a thing that you can take in and consume in your body, right? It's something that people would typically think you can control, right? It's a behavior, not a substance. So a lot of shame comes in not being able to control a behavior that so many other people seem to be able to control as well. Like you can't blame it on a certain thing. Hmm. So as a psychiatrist, I'm sure you get lots of patients that are addicted to gambling but may not show symptoms. Yeah. How do you pick out these symptoms or notice them and be able to differentiate them between uh, just normal actions or symptoms of addiction? Mm, good question. It depends. It depends if maybe there's a little bit of denial or let's say contradictory statements. So say they're saying, I don't really have a problem, but then they mention something like, um, I'm struggling to get by financially or I just feel like I like being there and, you know, drinking and maybe betting or playing the pokies and stuff. There's things that don't match up and that's usually where we kind of pull them up and kind of see what's going on there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you previously talked about some of the triggers for a gambling addiction, such mm. as the social settings that it creates. Yeah. Would you care to elaborate on some other triggers that people should be wary of? Mm. If you tend to go to venues instead of like doing all that online stuff. Um, one of them could be easily your route to go home or to work, to and from work or to and from school. If you're passing a certain venue or if you usually take this road to get to that place, that usually, you know, gets this feeling in them and makes them think about, oh, I'm close to this place, I'm going to go there, right? Or there's the other things that are more like, on the mental health side of things. So a lot of people use gambling to cope with stress or some kind of depression. Um, what's really common is maybe conflict with a partner or a family member. And where do you go late at night, right? Sometimes the pokies are open really late, you know, up to like 3 a.m. or something like that. So that's somewhere um, they think I can escape here. This is where I can go and I can be away from all that. Now, you speak not only to just addicts, but the friends and family of those addicts. What are some common advice for those partners that you would like to give to them? Hmm. Always give your best, but don't feel so defeated if it feels like it's not working. Because it's a big process, you know. If, if we slip up and gamble again, we got to like take something from that, you know, learn something from that. How can we improve what we're trying to do? Um, always be there, try and build that trust as well. And that could be a very, very vulnerable thing to do. But it's something that's really important to try and build that trust again. So just do the best that you can to support them. And if you need help as well, that's totally okay. You know, we do offer services for that and it's all to help with you also managing that as well. How long can the journey of recovery take? Depends on the person. I've had some people who um, experience one really impactful or significant experience, maybe a relationship breakup, and that is like enough for them to go, okay, no more, right? But then there are other people who maybe they've been doing it for a really long time you know, maybe they started 18 or even younger, you know, some families own horses and things like that. It's just part of the family dynamics. So it can take a little bit longer, but, you know, go at your pace. 
you said before that maybe a family might own a horse or something and that's what originally gets them into gambling. Mm -hmm. um, I know, for example, that I have, you know, family tipping competitions and class tipping competitions. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that might be a gateway into gambling and that's something we should be wary of? Oh, yes and no, you know. Because um, with gambling it's more we're putting something very valuable on the line, right? Um, if we do things where it doesn't really, because I know with schools when we do the tipping stuff, we're not really putting anything out there, right? We're just like, it's like a playing thing, right? So it really depends how we are doing it as well as, you know, what it is. Mm. So many parents might be worried about, you know, kids' games having a slots machine reward in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that crackdowns should be made on that or how can parents, like, restrict that? Mm. It's tricky because you can't really control everything, right? So it's like what do you do in that sense? You c I guess one important thing is education, just learning about things, the risk of it, what it looks like and things like that. I don't think we could ever really fully control those kinds of things. And games can look very different in different things like, you know, Fortnite or Overwatch, things like that. You have those things that could, you know, reinforce that gambling stuff. But at the same time, it looks so different, right? And kids can get sucked in. And so parents also should... I guess, be a little bit educated on it as well, know what it looks like and just let the kids know, like, this is something that we don't want to do just in case this and this happens. So it's really just knowing and learning. So do you believe that gam that early exposure to gambling is a reason or a very, a very likely cause of future gambling problems? Yes, I do. It's a very easy gateway. Yeah. That's all we have time for today. Thank you to our guest, uh, Sosheta. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. Live from De La Salle College, Malvern, Australia, you've been listening to Our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Luca. And my co-hosts today are Sam, Emmanuel, and Archie. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have found the information in today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Do what I do. See me, I just do what I do.